the whole thing has been like a cool way to like step back out of my life and then take a look at how fucking fresh my life has been. You know, like I've never, you know, I always used to be like people like, what's it like to play in First Ave? It's your dream club. You know, you've always wanted to do it. What's it like? What's it like to be famous? And it's like, I'm not famous. And I'll play that club again, and I'll think about all of this when I'm old and can't do it anymore. Um, here I am. Fuck all these people on the internet. I need to get on tour. You people are crazy. What? It's really weird, because I'm not really speaking to you in front of me. But I have to think of you in front of me, because if I don't, and I won't be able to speak to you. How you doing? <laughs> like, hey, how am I doing? I gotta go on tour. Let's make sure I'm feeling good. Yeah, yeah, this is Yoni Wolf. You are listening to the Wandering Wolf podcast. I'm transmitting live from home. Well, not live. I'm, it's live right now. When, you, when you're listening to it, it's going to be later, probably on a recording, unless you're somehow tapped into my, the, the, the fiber optics and synapses of my recording device somehow now, which is probably possible. Well, I am home. And what does that mean for a single man uh, in this life, in this world? It's, a, you know, a bed that I'm sort of familiar with the, 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 the way that, that it presses against me and holds my weight um, you know, some, 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 some boards across, across a frame, uh, on the floor and, uh, you know, a series of, of bricks outside of all that stacked up, uh, on top of each other, uh, with, with a, 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 a few pieces of roof above that. It's a nice place. It's a fine place, fine place, good place as any. Uh, but, uh, here I am, you know, no, no youngsters necessarily running up when I, when they hear the squeak of the gate, daddy, it's daddy, daddy's home. Maybe that sounded kind of gross or weird, but, but yeah, none of that, none of that. Um, though my guest today does have a couple of those youngsters. My guest today is POS of the Mighty Doom Tree crew, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, we discussed that a bit, a bit about fatherhood and uh, many other things. In just a moment. Well, we here in Cincinnati have um, we have the next in a large collection of police murders uh, of, of, of young black men murdered by police officers. Uh, we had one of those maybe a week and a half, two weeks ago. I'm not clear on the exact date. I don't, I don't have a calendar in front of me, but, but uh, that happened. This one happened to have been caught on tape. Happened to have been recorded by the body camera of the officer that murdered the unarmed, unthreatening civilian. Without that camera, I, my guess is that this officer would have made up a lie, like he did on film um, after the fact, 
And, uh, you know, it would have been sad uh, and all that, of course. But people wouldn't have known what actually happened. And he would have gotten off scot-free, probably would still have been working unless he decided that he couldn't handle doing it anymore and then he would have retired with some uh some some you know pension you know post-trauma pension or whatever down to florida or whatever they do in this case he did have a camera on and we saw that it was cold-blooded murder what do you do you know i, I he 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 was indicted and will be tried for murder. I'm not clear exactly on on the next, you know, procedure or whatever, but I know these things take time and we'll see what happens there. This happened the murder happened 3 miles from my house, you know? Uh just up the hill. Really dark shit. You know, I I watched I watched the tape of it. I probably shouldn't have. I I I I lost a couple days to to uh, strange dark feelings um, after after watching that it's it's uh, you know it's not something it's yeah intense anyway I don't want to go on and on about this but I did want to mention that because it's my city and uh, and these things have been happening a lot recently and you know what I don't think they're happening more recently than they have. For the past, since since there have been cops and young black men, I think it's been happening. I think it's just the kind of thing that finally people are starting to. Uh, well, I don't. I don't think people didn't speak up, but I, but I believe media is now starting to pay attention and putting it in the front of all of our faces a bit. And uh, now we have these body cams, and that's good. That's good because that's you know going to make some 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 cops think twice about about reacting. I mean this this was beyond that. It was, you know, he couldn't even consider the fact they had a body cam on. It was it was such a knee-jerk reaction to nothing. You know, um it, it was just some ingrained uh you know, tension, racism inside this this uh this police officer that that came out in 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 a split second decision, you know, uh, fear inside of him, um, and I don't mean fear for his life at that moment because I I didn't see any. There was no threat in the video, um, but I don't know some deep seated thing, you know, that 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 came out um, in in a split second. That ended another guy's life. Dark shit. Anyway, I yeah, I don't want to go on and on about this. I'm sorry if, if if I'm bumming you out. But this is the state of our country today. You know, this is the state of things, and this is something we're we're trying to move move out of and move move towards uh well, I hope we're trying to move towards, you know, some other kind of policing, not this not this brutal thing that's been that's been happening um you know i'm a white guy or wherever whatever i am i don't know what i am but 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 i'm pretty white pretty not white white 
but what, whatever I am, I'm not going to be mistaken for African-American probably. Um, and I'm scared. You know, I, I don't want to get pulled over. I'm going to be scared as fuck if I get pulled over. It's just like this. And then, you you know, everyone having that fear just becomes uh, just beca- it becomes tumultuous. All right. On the podcast today is POS of Doomtree, Minneapolis. And uh, I, I have met this guy a couple times. I uh, haven't haven't ever really had a conversation with him. Um, and this see, that seems to be a theme on this podcast is, is uh, you know, finally getting to sit down with somebody that I've that I've known peripherally for 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 some time uh and and this is no different so it was it was a great pleasure to 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 sit down with steph and and have this conversation and i i do want to do it again um at some point or just hang again just have a hang uh i i met up with him outside of first avenue the seventh street entry side in, in Minneapolis, that's a, that's a legendary club, as we discuss in the episode. We sat outside in um, the rental Hyundai Accent that, that I had. Um, you know, not a, not a luxury vehicle, but, but it, it handled. It handled. It didn't have necessarily that fusion power. That the Ford Fusion I rented last time had, where 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 it could go, uh, you know, zero to one hundred real fast, real fast, or whatever. However, the song goes, that you know, that had a little pick me up. This one not so much, but uh, but we got her done, you know. We we it worked, it worked just fine. Um, so yeah, that was uh, uh just uh, yeah, sat out there and and uh, had a, had a conversation. So I, you know, I not not too much more that I want to talk about right now. Uh, I'm gonna try to get out, soak in some some sun rays, some D, some vitamin D, and uh, enjoy my life. All right, let's get into this conversation with P.O.S. Don't judge the accent. I can offer you a water. It's not your usual, you know, I know you, you have uh, Fiji on your rider, but uh, hopefully it's AC will blast. All right, Steph Alexander. What's going on? <laughs> Chilling, man. Um, what have you been up to today? Today is my oldest kid. I have two kids. One is three and one just turned 16 today. I was 17 when he was born. And yeah, I, I spent the first part of the day trying to find him to say happy birthday, but he's uh-huh. out with his girlfriend and his buddies. So yeah. Is he bad? Does he do bad shit? <laughs> no, he's, he's a good kid. Yeah, mm. he, uh, he does some bad shit, but definitely not... Not like you, as not as bad as you were? I mean, no. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that you were bad. I'm not I suggesting... Wasn't, I wasn't great, um, and I had a mom who was... I have a mom who was, like, relaxed and chill enough to, like... As long as I checked in and she knew where I was, yeah. I, could, I had a lot of free, a lot of freedom. And he's he's kind of the same. He just doesn't really check in as much. Got it. Yeah, and he doesn't. I mean, again, he doesn't do bad stuff. He's just out there, you know. Yeah, yeah. 
out out there like like just what wandering he wanders around oh yeah he's 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 all over town yeah. People are always telling me, hey, I just saw your kid ride by on a skateboard. Over. Okay. Hey, I, you have no idea what your kid's doing right now. I just saw him, like, he's all, a, all the time. He, Is he cool? Is he, like, super he's, hip? He's really cool. Does he raps, he, and he's, oh, got, a, he's okay. got a little crew, and, like... Oh, yeah. Yeah, man, he's... Second work, generation. Work, working on his mixtape. That's a, oh, that's a whole nother thing, man. <laughs> yeah. Second generation rappers. I mean, it's like... I guess it's like a little Wayne or something, right? I guess. That whole thing. <laughs> is... What... What, uh... Are, do you direct him towards things? Um... I try, and I guess I always have when he was little. I just played him stuff I liked the whole time. So uh, it's funny because he raps about he raps about everything from like you know emotional and very real things all the way to like Chicago drill gangster shit that he has nothing that to he do has with. No, right. But you know he's also just like kind of developing his style. Yeah. He kind of he kind of raps like me, but you know updated because he's younger dude. Does does, does does he like actively? Like respect what what you do, or is he, or is he like on some di- like Dad? I'm on some different shit. He is he is actually on some different shit. Yeah. But uh, you know, like if he's if if you like look at his social media or something like that, and he lists somewhere all the stuff he's into, he always throws Doom Train there too. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, he he grew up with it, and you know, we kind of you know we're we've been around for a long time, but we still do things and still try to get like new people involved with what we're up to and yeah it's, you're still it's just, very much you guys how do you say run how do you say run minneapolis <laughs> we don't we don't run minneapolis we do our no, best yeah to stay relevant yes. in minneapolis as as it's, well as it seems like else, you do you know? like i mean you know i don't live here but i follow all your social medias and it seems like things are always it's always cracking we don't we don't let cracking, it yeah. yeah we don't let it yeah chill for too long you Before guys are we're business. doing something new. And you know I talked to Dessa on yeah, here. Yeah. And yeah, you guys are just seem strictly business. Yeah, but, you know, none of us are the kind of people who are going to say that we run anything. Right. You of know, because we're, we're, well, we're working. The, you have to have modesty in this life, and yeah. that's great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, what, are you, what are you working on lately? Like, what's what's been, like, your, your current occupation? My current occupation has been touring in support of the newest Doomtree record. Okay. Uh, we toured all through February and March um, and then we took a little bit of time off and then we just got back from a run in Europe for three weeks and now we got some time off and then through like January we got a festival play and then headliner shows around that festival so like seven to ten days a month until January we're out there seven to ten days each month yeah. I okay. Mean, yeah, we got it's like little things here and there. Yeah, we got like a festival play and as like an anchor show, and then yeah. we'll hit all the markets around that festival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So another deal. Markets, cities. Kind of I hate, the, I hate the, the wind down period. Year, yeah. year long wind down period. For real, for real. And I, I hate saying markets. That's that's definitely some yeah. like <laughs> industry talk. Yeah. I feel like it makes people feel like their cities are cheaper when they hear people say shit like that. Right. But, um, but yeah, we're we're trying to hit all the major cities that we hit on the last one, and maybe play a little bit bigger rooms. Yeah, and then uh, hit some other places that we didn't hit on the last tour. Do you, do you enjoy t- touring, traveling with the whole crew like that? I do more than more than like the. I don't I don't know. You always travel with somebody from the crew. It seems like. Yeah, I mean, if it's not somebody directly in the crew, it's somebody that we're all friends with. Yeah. Um, I always like to have a very well selected group of people that I can travel with that yeah. are going to be like fun to be around the whole time and 
chilling, you know. Yeah, like yeah. so, it's always it's always friends or people that you know I want to be around. So I love touring. I've always loved touring. When I was a little kid, you know, probably fifth grade, I wanted to buy a van. I was like, I know that this is my first vehicle is a van. Huh. I need, yeah. It's, I mean, I just like <clears throat> what what did that mean that at that age for you? Like, what did that? I mean, I, I told this story, I think, on Mike Eagle's podcast, but um, I saw the video for Paradise City I when, when I was a little kid. I'll give, I'll give you those <laughs> no, two. <I'm> but <laughs> I saw the video for Paradise City by Guns N' Roses. Yeah. And that video is a time lapse of a stadium empty, and then people build a stage, yep. and then they get on stage and play. And like just watching the time lapse of everything that's going on, it snapped in my head when I was that young that that's a job. Right. And that's what I'm going to do. Right. You know, like, I'm going to go do something about what, what those guys are doing. Those so, guys like, are for real out there yeah. building that stuff. And, yep. Yeah. And building that stuff, playing shows, and working. And, yeah. you know, it snapped that that was the, that was the job. So that's kind of what my life was going to be from, like, a very early age. I was like, I'm going to make songs and play them. That's my yeah. Job. Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. And how did you... How did you go about starting to do that were you in like school band and shit like that, um or? i was in orchestra and band i never learned how to play? i played uh viola and orchestra okay. and saxophone and band okay i never learned how to read music but if uh the whole class played it i could you listen to it like and then, hear it along yeah, yeah so like i'd hear it once through and kind of fake it and then i'd learn it and then play it so and you still work that way to this day yeah i never learned how to read music but I can I can play anything, you know. I yeah. can I can make anything work out. I used to skip school and learn Smashing Pumpkins records, okay, like, from top to bottom. And, okay, you know, like that's that's my favorite is you know learning and playing music. Learning, I learned how to write music because I spent so much time earing out songs. I really do think that's how I learned so, how to write songs. Is, oh, how to write song, not write out uh, no, music, no, 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 no. music notes, but write to write songs. Yeah, yeah. How, to, how to write a song came to me because I learned so many other people's songs like trying to learn how to play guitar and stuff like that that yeah. I just kind of by the time it was time for me to write my own songs I already had the structures down I already had what worked together what didn't work right yeah. and so at what age did you start like doing that like doing your own music as opposed to to you know school band or whatever I mean kind of right away as far as as far as like writing songs playing music and making like producing music that took long longer but right away in fifth grade i had a group called the fifth grade crew uh-huh that was me and my two buds jack kent and joey joey i think it was joey anyway and i would just write lyrics for me and write lyrics for them we never recorded anything but it was anything. rap. it was supposed to be rap it was rap we're yeah, not supposed was, to be no, no, I mean, it was, yeah, yeah I, I you know set up a little karaoke machine which i used for like you know, five to six years. My mom had a two two tape deck karaoke machine, so that was the four track. Like you had to buy like a karaoke tape. No, you just buy normal cassette tape, and, and it gets rid two of the vocals. Of them. No, 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 no. They had karaoke uh, cassettes or CDs or whatever that would go in there, and you could try to EQ out the vocals. But yeah. that's not what I was doing. I was okay. putting a tape in one side, and then I'd hit play and record, and then I'd record drum sounds with a football helmet and a drumstick, and then. I'd rewind it, play it back in the other tape deck, and then rap along with it. So, like, right. it would get 
worst quality every. But then you'd record yourself rapping along yeah, to yeah. it out of yeah, yeah, after, yeah. after I was done, so that old thing, just yeah, swapping yeah. the tapes back and forth over right. and over again, dubbing over and over and over and over and over. Make that's how you make get a new layer on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's dope. Did, so did you play football? No, <laughs> <laughs> I had a football. I played football once one year, sixth grade. I was terrible, but uh, I touched the ball once and that was cool. Um, <laughs> the I had a football helmet for Halloween costumes. Oh, okay, <laughs> of course. I had a little Casio keyboard football helmet. Uh-huh. Yeah. That was that was basically your, your kit? That was my kit. Uh, karaoke machine, football helmet, Casio. Casio. <laughs> That's a good... T- and then it just developed. still worked that way. I stole a bass guitar from my cousin around the same time. Started trying to plug away, figuring out Guns N' Roses songs and uh-huh. that kind was of it, stuff. So, what were you, what were you coming up on? Was it mostly hard rock stuff? But you was, were doing rap stuff. I was, I was doing rap stuff, and then I discovered punk rock um, through skateboarding. Okay. And just not really having friends, and then bumping into older kids well, that you, skateboarded. You, okay, so you didn't really have friends. Not good ones, nah. Not until way later in life. I feel like I got my first people that I was like, these are my people. Was like right ninth, ninth grade probably. Okay. Yeah. And you and th- those were older skateboard kids. Nah, nah. But when I that was people that I met through skateboarding and through music. Yeah. But that was ninth grade. So like sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, I met people that were around the neighborhood or whatever. But mostly I would be by myself skateboarding. Were you nerdy? Like I was kind of nerdy, but I was you, also. But you were skateboarding, which was cool. Yeah, but I mean, I was. You know, I was a. Uh, I was an, kind of like an outsider just in the way that I, I grew up on the north side around black people. Uh-huh. And then... So north side, north side of north Minneapolis, side Minneapolis is, is, is black, mostly. Is predominantly, predominantly okay. black, yeah. And then uh, I honestly had some Fresh Prince of Bel-Air shit. My mom was dating this white dude named Rick, and uh, I joined the Vice Lords. <laughs> that's and a gang? That's a gang, yeah. But it's one of those things where I was way too young to be joining it. It was like... Seventh or uh, not seventh, second or third grade or whatever, and it was like, we gotta, we gotta get this kid out of here before we do this. So my mom moved. So you in. got sent away? No, no, no. My mom just moved in with her boyfriend. We okay. Moved to the first ring suburb. Okay. So it okay. was like overnight. It was just me and all these white kids. The only other black kid that went to elementary school, his name was Byron, and he was Jewish somehow. A Jewish black kid. A Jewish black kid. Uh, so, but but wait a second. So, so around around second third grade, that's when you moved to the suburb. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So okay. And then it was like you know it's been. And you went to school out there as well. Yeah. So right. like right. the whole thing shifted. I would see, you know, black people everywhere in my family on the weekends, and then all week long it'd be just me. You know, that's that's one of the reasons why I think I got into skateboarding and punk rock is because, you know, you pick up a copy of Thrasher or. Trans world skateboarding, and you're like, all these people are insane. Mom, give me a skateboard, and Did then you skateboard around town, and then you bump in, you find a good skate spot, then you bump into people that skateboard. You meet right. older people, they give you tapes. You know what I'm saying? They give you cigarettes, yeah, 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 yeah. and then those are the people that you follow around and try to figure out what you're doing. That makes sense. So, did, but did you have to get jumped out of the Vice Lords? I didn't you, get jumped you, in. I was a little kid. Like seven years old. Yeah, like, I was. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Steph, but is, we can't, <laughs> if we make an exception for you, uh, nah, it was just one of those things where I came home singing some little song I made off the bus like about being a vice lord yeah. and then my cousin was like what what did you say and then he showed me all his scars and <coughs> told my mom and then he, he th- had scars from from, from gangbang when he was younger yeah oh okay and uh 
you know, because he, he was way older than me. You know, he's, he's got like 10 years on me. So there's that. And then, I, you know, I, I know the story as that happened and then we moved. But my mom had probably already been planning to move for months. Cause where, you, know, you don't just up and move. Where did she meet this uh, this boyfriend? I think they met at uh, my daycare when I was younger, and then slowly turned it into a relationship. Got you. Yeah. And when you moved out there, so do you, did you feel pretty alienated out there, like the only black kid out there? I did, but I didn't consciously feel that. You know, I'm always I've always been like a real. But you didn't have friends, you said. No, like, not really. I lived Was up. that the reason, you think, because, like, you know, you're the lone black guy in this... Nah, I mean, that was friends at school. Yeah. You know, I, I did. I never really thought about why. I was yeah. always, like, into drawing pictures or making songs or listening to music more than I was, like... Introverted. Yeah, I was yeah. kind of an introverted dude, and when I was actually out with people, I was weird, and people thought I was weird, so I just rolled with that I've always been like a real kind of just roll with it kind of dude yeah. the people I ended up hanging out with were the other kids that had no dads and, and all the freedom in the world all day long that lived in the apartment complex and your, your so, dad passed away he didn't pass away he's just gone oh he just I see I <laughs> yeah. got you. I got it's you. all good okay um, but I didn't really sweat that in did my life did you have any relationship with him or not at all till I was like five yeah five or six right in that area um I was, I was, he was like weekend dad, and I'd hang out with my uncle Jesse, and it was cool. And then he and his band moved to Vegas, and that was oh, like, so your dad was in a band. Yeah, he was a saxophone player, and like he played funk and soul and jazz. Okay, yeah. and he just dipped out, and yeah. And the last time I heard from him, I was like ten, and he called me from Vegas or wherever, talked to my mom, and talked to me, and was like, I'm gonna send you guys some money. And then never did. I <laughs> never heard from her again. And still to this day? Still to this day, I have a sister, a half-sister, same dad. She lives in Kentucky. And she hit me up saying that the he used to work for the YMCA. And when he worked for the YMCA, he set up, like, a trust for us. And they're looking for him to see if he's dead or not. So, like, that's the last thing I know. But uh, she's tight. Yeah. And apparently he was really tight. And then he just, you know, crack land. Like, that's what happens is... He crack, He got on drugs. Oh yeah, okay. that's that's what everybody says. Is he was like the greatest dad ever, and then just one. He rough. was he was living in Kentucky at the time. He was, he was living here. Okay. And my sister Venus, she was living here too, and you know going back and forth. From oh, Kentucky. I'm sorry. I assumed this sister was from later. Okay, so nah, this nah, sister she's was older. from your era. Yeah, she's older. She's earlier, older than even. me okay. by ten or so. Got you. Got you. Um. Okay, so then you get into high school. Yeah. And what was your crew like? Who did you start hanging with? Men in high school, I think by the time I was in ninth grade, I had some good. I had, I had, I, I forget that me and Paper Tiger from Doomtree, John, we started being pretty close friends in like seventh grade, but we didn't get to hang out all the time until way later on in life. But we were, we were tight. You went to school together? Yeah, we went to school together, and you know, we were both into skateboarding, we were both into music, we'd show each other music. Uh, he'd, so, ha- he'd hand me down clothes and shit like that. That's pretty early, though, to get into, like... So you're 6th, you're 7th, 8th grade. That's pretty early to get into, like, your own kind of music. You know, like... Yeah. You, I mean, and you were into... So you said punk rock. What does that mean? Like, you know, Black Flag, Minor Threat. Classic uh, older stuff. Yep. Uh, that I heard Bleach and Nirvana way early. I heard 
uh, Rancid and No Effects right around their like first and second records, okay. respectively. And that's not like the hardest punk ever, but it's one of those things where it was a gateway into reading the liner notes and getting into deeper bands. And then I think by the time I was in 10th grade, 11th grade, I just wasn't listening to anything that wasn't either from Minneapolis or touring basements. Just bands know. that no one had heard of. Yeah. In fact, they didn't even have names. They were just, no, just they, had they weren't even people anymore. There was, was no just... bands. <laughs> yeah. No, it was just stuff like, you know, there's there's a certain point when you're in like middle of high school where you're just like, I don't listen to the radio. Right. I don't listen to any of these things. I listen to the bands that are going to be at this basement show. Here's right. a, here's a flyer. My band is playing. Like that's my whole life live, for live only. Or you have no, I have, I have, or they I, would have demos or something. No, I have music. They have albums. They have all that stuff. It's just the part. The stuff that was important to me is they were playing at this house with the bands that I knew and cared about from here. Give me a couple names. Um, like bands like The Locust. Okay, or, oh, they're yeah. from here. They're not from here, uh, but okay. they toured here. They would tour through That's here. That's what I'm I saying. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. you listen to mainstream stuff. You listen to mainstream punk rock. You listen to de- uh, deeper punk rock and more underground punk rock, and then you just shut it down. And only thing you, li- I mean, for me, anything anyway. For years, the only things that I would pay any attention to were local, like local punk bands and stuff like that. Um, and then it took me until my early 20s to be like all right i guess i'll check out what's on the radio again elsewhere in the world yeah for real (laughs) you know that that whole stretch between being too young to go to bars to see shows just being in basements and all ages clubs and then going to bars and seeing shows there that whole like four-year chunk of before and after was mostly taking in and trying to be a part of the local scene here i had the we're outside of First Avenue. Yeah, yeah. Which is like the I legendary. Should, I usually like say that good. in the beginnings of my shit, but yeah, that's where we are. Legendary, legendary club. I had purple rain. We gotta say purple, purple rain. Purple rain. Nah, I, here. Anything. But I had this the, the phone number to the office here memorized six one two eight eight three eight three eight eight. Yeah. <laughs> I had I had that shit memorized from ninth grade. Up until like a year or so ago. I only know because I called today. I'm saying, but <laughs> I, I called them every single day. Like, hey, what's going show. on? Okay. Uh, can I uh, get, can my band get on new band night this Wednesday? Uh, no stuff. Uh, maybe next week. And you were in, so you were in punk bands yeah. in I, high school. I, uh, right around ninth grade when I started making those, uh, aside from Paper, Paper is a lifelong friend, but I met like Kai and a lot of the people that would ultimately be in Doom Crew with me and Paper. Um, we started a band called Ohm in ninth grade, and that band went until those dudes went to college. Then there's that other band called Ohm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> later. But, later, but yeah. that was our, like, melodic hardcore slash pop punk band that I expected to do my entire life. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then they went to college, so and... That- that seems like that's the style that everyone got into that's our age-ish. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was... I, I was not into that style. That's, that's okay. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm just saying. So I was... I didn't know that stuff, but I, I have so many friends that that was their thing. Yeah. Yeah. That was my thing. Is yeah. Is like the super fast, sort of singy, lot of screamy before like the Evo vibes and that stuff. Um... That was that was my thing, and then all those bands, kind of like in a big wave, they all chilled out and started being in electronic bands. And electronic, they, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like all the all the punk bands, all of a sudden started sounding like the Faint, and then 
after that, all the all the bands that sounded like the Faint started sounding like Wilco, and you know, weird. Just getting people getting older and just getting, getting more older, mellow. and you know, discovering different styles of music. This is over the course of like five years. The whole scene kind of like rolls did over. You, and Did does you things. start to? Did you? Did, like that aspect, or did were you like, I like them? They turned electronic. No, nah, I like watching everybody uh, evolve and do their thing, and I was evolving and doing my thing too. Like as soon as dudes went to college, I started another band called Building Better Bombs, which rolled for years, and yeah. now it's called Marijuana Dust Squads, and we okay, still play. Okay. It's a different thing now. It's not a. I it's know about a, that. Yeah, it's not a hardcore band anymore. It's like electronic. Chaos Circus Jazz <laughs> Okay um, And then I started rapping And I joined bands Playing drums And you know Like my band broke up So I just Started doing everything well, at once What about in that first band though Which I forgot the name oh. already um, But there was one before that I mean there's a bunch of bands Before okay. that But that okay. was like the one That I That was, was the one tr- that you thought You were gonna be Yeah that yeah. was the, the what band did, what, what was your What was your main function In the band What did you play mostly I played guitar and sang Played guitar the, And you were the main singer it was, it was, too Yeah it was a three piece Me and the bass player Both sang I sang more you were and screaming and shit? Screaming, singing, okay. yeah. And then uh, uh, there's a drummer named Chuck. Okay. And then when that band broke up, I all, like, within the course of a couple weeks, joined a band called Cadillac Blindside as the drummer. That's a good name. It was it was a decent band, too. Like, sounded a lot like the Get Up Kids, but had a Midwest vibe. Uh-huh. Um, so I played drums in that band. Started building what, better what, bombs. What does that Isaac. mean? What does that mean? Hmm. Sound like the Get Up Kids, but had a Midwest vibe. What, what's the Midwest vibe to it? It's what is, less. I mean, it's less. I don't know if you listen to Dillinger Forever, but you could you could take they're like from here, right? they are. Yeah. But you take like a take like that clean kind of pop punk vibe, make it a little bit more uh, rushed, so it feels more like urgent, and then you. Add more fuzz and distortion to the guitars, so everything is just a little bit heavier, but still very melodic. You know, that's and then when and you, that's when that you twin city and shit. then when you master it, you master it over the top, so everything's kind of pushing loudness. Okay, I feel like the Dillinger Force first record, Midwestern songs, kind of embodies what the Midwest punk rock engineering and vibe was. Okay, you know, to are me, you, are you chilly? I'm cool. Are you good? Yeah. Okay. Um, do you know Tom Herbers? I don't think so. Just curious. Okay. He's an engineer. He 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 owned a studio called Third Ear. Cool. If you know that place. I do know I, that just, place. I was just curious if if you knew because he was he came from that he came from the early like the SST scene. Yep. Those people. That was that was huge stuff for me too. Yeah. Um Okay. So then you said you started rapping too. I mean you had rapped as a youngster. Yeah, I rapped as I always rapped, but did you was, always li- did you listen to rap too? Almost never. I listened to um I listened to mainstream rap. I listened to like Snoop Dogg, Doggy Style when it came out. I mean I listened to Eminem, like mainstream rap until um probably right around a ninth, tenth grade, somebody Maybe 10th, 11th grade is more realistic. Because Eminem was a little later. Yeah, yeah, so 10th, yeah. 10th, 10th 11th you're grade. You're 33, right? Yeah. Yeah. 10th, 11th grade, maybe 12th grade. Anyway, that was around the time where I got interested in Rhyme Sayers yeah. and Crescent Moon yeah. uh, from Kill the Vultures and Mixed Blood Majority. That dude gave me... And Crescent uh, Moon and Andrew Broder. Yeah, and Crescent I forgot, that just came out. <laughs> Um, Crescent Moon and Andrew Broder. That dude gave me a cassette tape with uh, the first Aesop Rock record on one side. And Float? Or did, uh, was Apple, there one before Apple that? Seed. Appleseed. Appleseed. Oh, okay, I remember that one. Yeah. 
Um, that was on one side. Another EP was on the on one side. And then uh, the other side had like pretty much all of the best rhyme sayers stuff on it. So okay. the woman with the tattoo all about those mixes, man. That's what I'm saying. One with one with the tattooed hands, and then like headshot seven, and like just like the best songs from from like the tapes that are out so far. And then, I had similar tapes to yeah, that. dude. Yeah, like just like one side would be something to that. and company flow. Okay, so okay. That, that was what it was. It was Aesop Rock, Company Flow, and then on the other side was all atmosphere. local shit. Okay. Not just Atmosphere, just but Atmosphere, ENA, like all the old headshot stuff. Yeah. And uh, that was when I realized that rap could be local the same way that punk rock was. To me, it just what, what did about not it? connect ever. To, sorry to interrupt. What, what 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 about the local idea? Like, because it sounds to me like it's almost like 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 the local food movement. You know what I'm saying? Kind of. To me, it was just about people moving and doing things around me that I could see. You know, like it wasn't consciously. I'm not gonna do this other stuff because I did. Like, if there was a big band that came through that I really loved, I would go see them. Yeah. You know, but it was about the live show experience and you can't go to live shows when you're under 21 okay unless yeah, you're yeah. going to like specific all ages shows or if you're going to basements and then you just get and that used to be and it still is probably a really heavy basement scene around here you know there's there's a place called 1021 which was that was the address over in dinky town that you could guarantee every weekend you could show up there and you're gonna hear a band that you've heard of and you like uh, or you're going to hear some stuff that you've never heard of ever. But you're going to go there, you're going to be around a bunch of punks, and it's going to be cool. Something cool. You know, it's going to be and something... It, and it was, it, it was, like, on that circuit or whatever that bands knew to go to, like, the... You yeah. know, when you, when yeah. you see, like, fucking Ian McKay or whatever talk... Totally. They, they're like, oh, there's, like, these places that everybody... Yeah. That was, that was how we did it, the same way. Uh, I went on my first tour with Ohm uh, when, when I was 14... Jesus, still in high school? Yeah, that was... Like in the summertime or something? Um, yeah, it was in the summer. It was, uh, I had started a little record label with my friends called Sabretooth Records. We put out three really good records, but we didn't know what we were doing because we were kids. three Ohm's records? No, 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 one Ohm record, a band called, uh, Seratine, and a band called Effervescent. Okay. Um, and there might have been, yeah, Push Button 3, not Seratine, Push Button 3. Okay. Same, same dudes. Um, but yeah, I didn't know what I was doing, I was just trying to... Do it so we like, but you pressed, were getting shit pressed up, pressed up like a hundred copies by hand, like not on tape on CDs, like on CDs, on okay. burners. We had one tape and then we had three CDs eventually, okay. Know. But didn't know what we were doing. Uh, yeah, got the maximum rock and roll book you get at punk rock shops called Book Your Own Fucking Life, where okay. it tells you every basement and every club you can just call across the country. And you, you know? did that, and we did that. We didn't you do it across send, the country. You send them your shit so that they know if it's yeah. yeah you send like them your yeah. you send them your music. Yeah. You tell them when you're trying to do it. You all work together, and then you go. We went on like a week long tour. You, did you have anybody that was like older, or was it all young kids? Uh the oldest person in our band was 16. That's how we could drive, and, they, and, and he drove. Yeah, yeah. But it was like a caravan of all the bands. Uh, it was our band and one other band and three cars or two cars in a minivan well, driving to Chicago and is this Wisconsin. is it was this you even at fourteen that was kind of the the wrangler do you feel like I mean no yes yeah you know I booked the tour but you know three of the shows fell through so I was the one who would like go to the record store and be like where's the basement show somewhere because we gotta play right you know so and how far and why did you go just like that was just Midwest that was like uh, through Illinois and through Wisconsin and you know a couple shows in 
Minnesota. But that's like what, like late nineties, right? We're yeah. like, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. But that's yeah, man, really this, ballsy. this is this is what I've been trying to do. For yeah, ever. you ne- you never had a, a doubt in your mind, huh? I still don't, you know. Like, I still don't. People don't know who I am far and wide, but enough people know who I am far enough and wide enough to have not had to work for ten years now. You know? Yeah. So it's amazing. It is amazing. It's, yeah. it's stupid. <laughs> so, but but you, so how does how does it go in Europe? Um, good. It looks like here yeah. five years ago, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. Which is cool with me, you know, every show that we went to, every place, even like the weirdest corners of Germany, where you're like, no one is coming to this show. I did not know why we're driving for seven hours for this. Still, 85 people will show up, and it's like, all right, all right. And then you go to these, you go to Berlin, you get 200 people. Like, yeah. it looks like, it looks like what our tours looked like back, you know, five years ago. It's, it's really cool. Um... Is your dad German? What? what uh, my, my dad is German. Okay, because I heard that on it. I heard that on that song where you're rapping that the IMIB. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I was just curious. Yeah, he's German. He's a German black guy. I'm pretty sure it's army related. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, and that's that's about as much as I know about it. Wow. You know, you not you not you must be curious to know more. I'm not really. Not really. No, nah, I mean, there's the whole thing about like. I'm sure I've got some, like, inner turmoil about, like, my dad, you know, but I don't know what it is at this point in my life. Right. You know, like, my mom was awesome. I wasn't ever really struggling for anything. I've had a lot of really horrible shit happen in my life, but nothing has, like, killed me. Yeah. And I'm, again, like, I I think people like Dessa would tell you that I'm a little bit too positive for it to make any sense, usually. You know, we, what through through dark situations, through dark situations, and through shit like, honestly, if somebody doesn't ask me, hey, what's up with your dad situation, or something like a podcast happens, I swear the last time I thought about my dad was when I did a podcast seven eight months ago. Okay, you know, okay. like it just it just yeah. doesn't cross my mind. I'm busy, I'm happy, I'm yeah. working on stuff. We're gonna and have I feel to get like you, we're gonna have to put you through an ayahuasca <laughs> session and get you get this uh, get this exercised out of you. I uh, no, I'm just kidding. No, man. no, no. I I am all for ayahuasca. <laughs> that's a whole different part of life, sure, man, but sure. that's a real one. Um. Yeah, I'm just playing, but yeah, if whatever, if that's not something that's on your consciousness, it's not on your consciousness. I mean, not, I'm know. saying like it might show up later. Yeah, yeah. And if it does, I'm ready to deal with it. Sure. But it's just not something that ever troubled me, you know? Right. Like so, did this other guy raise you, the 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 suburban guy? Um, you know, sort for of. for a while, he and my mom were together for a really long time, and he was a really good dad figure for yeah. for a while. And then, and, and then it was just me and my mom for yeah. years and years and years and years. And she's married right now for the first time. She wasn't married to that guy. Okay. But she's married to the first time to a guy named Doug, who's excellent. And did, did you move back down to the city after they I, broke up? Uh, no. Okay. But I did. I mean, they broke up, and then we moved to different suburbs and different apartments, just me yeah. and her. And then I moved out of her house when I was 17 okay. and moved uh, to Minneapolis and some kind of punk house. No, just me and me and Kai, the okay. uh, other OG that started Doomtree together. Cool, he, yeah. cool. Um, okay, and then and then like when did when did you when did it sort of shift over into more of a rap oriented thing? It, I, I started thinking about rap in my life as a serious thing when everybody went to college. Like 
everybody went to college, and I all of a sudden didn't Which have a like band. Which is like 01. Yeah, right around Something there. Something like, or 2000. Yeah, no, no, yeah, like right, right around yeah. there. Uh, 2000. Yeah. Um, every, everybody went to college, and like I said, I started a band with, with my guy Isaac. I started a band joining. I didn't start a band, but I joined a band playing drums. And I started rapping, and I was just like reaching out desperately for anything. And at that time, you had already been listening to that, all that the yeah. tapes with the local stuff yep. and the yep. whatever that. I had thoroughly that gotten into is. rap, yeah, yeah, uh, locally. And uh, Def Jokes was starting to kick off, and it was like, all right, well, this is new punk. This is the new punk rock, you right? Know, this is right. This it is, did have that feeling, yeah, right? Spe- right around the turn of the millennium, especially Def Jokes, man. Yeah, like them and Anacon at the time was like, this is. Like future music, yeah, you know. So I was doing everything I could to sound exactly like LP's beats, right, and rap exactly like Aesop Rock. Were you? And were I you? Never got good at either. Were you making? Were you making beats uh, at that time? Um, yeah, I, I started making beats when I was at my mom's house. I, I was I got an MPC um, from my dude Turbo, and realized after I'd already bought it that it didn't have any sounds in it, and you had to like make your bring your own. You had in. to sample, yeah. you know. So. Yeah. I figured it out. I make beats. I like making beats. I think I make pretty good beats. Yeah. Um, How many of your own your own things are you are you are your creations? I think on all of my records, uh, I make about half the beats, except the last one where I made maybe a third of the beats. Gotcha. But I got I had my fingers in more of those beats. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But it's usually a combination of me, Laserbeak, Cecil Otter, Paper Tiger, and just other people like friends passing stuff back and forth passing stuff back and forth and like i will come up with a beat that i like that i think represents where i'm at right now for this record and then i'll send them to beak and cecil like this is what i'm working on and then they'll make stuff that kind of fits that zone yeah yeah and on and on until we got a thing done what's what's like where you like what 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 kind of zones like what 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 sort of sounds or sort of feels like turn you on for me, it's always been like the super aggressive, yeah, you know, yeah. like always. Yeah. When uh, when my first couple records came out, I was still using a lot of guitar sounds, and trying to trying to like bring the energy of punk and hardcore without having the rap rock feel of rap rock. This is what I would say, and I, <laughs> again, I'm cutting you off. It's all good. I feel like I'm doing that too much right now. Maybe I'm too frazzled from tour to like have <laughs> the best head for for interviewing somebody but um we're doing all right right yeah uh so uh i think it sounds like and don't be offended at all it sounds like rap rock from someone that is into boutique rock and boutique rap uh, or or you know like that's yeah that's it you know like those those first couple records uh, you know, instead of sampling like a, I would sample feedback and right, I'd, I'd right. loop that and, or I would cut all my samples a little bit too long in the front or a little bit too long in the back or I so would, that they're not exactly, so they're not, square. so that, so it doesn't line up in that metal core way. Yeah. So it lines up in a way where it's like confusing or like kind of rushing like a a, a pimp walk yeah or that that thing i was saying about like minneapolis vibe punk rock where everything is a little bit you know the drummer plays just a hair faster than he can on the recordings yeah you know and like the guitars are turned up way too loud and the compression is a little bit too much so everything kind of fades fades like pushes itself down when you hit it yeah you know like i was trying to do all of that stuff with my beats 
And uh, I feel like after those first two records and so many, like, rap rock comparisons in, uh, like, reviews... That's what was happening? Yeah, I mean... In, in a I'd, negative light, or, or... I would either get a really great review... Yeah. Or somebody wouldn't listen to the record at all. You know, they'd, they'd start it, and it would start with, like, a guitar sound, and they'd be like, rap rock! Right. And that would be right. the end of it, you know? Like, right. anybody who listens to it... And, and there's reviewers who are like, I can't sub, I can't differentiate this from Linkin Park. And I'm like, you didn't listen to it. Right. Like, that's apparent. You just didn't listen to it. So I just stopped using guitars almost entirely for the most recent record. And the record before, I was kind of phasing them out, meaning no chords, you know, no, like, chord progressions on a guitar. Use the chord progressions on keyboards and synth bass and stuff like that because people can obviously understand that. And then just use guitar as, like, an element to add, you know, atmosphere or a lead sometimes here and there. Are you playing these guitars live or these samples you're grabbing off, off of? Both. Yeah, yeah. Both, yeah. And do, so was it a conscious effort like, sorry, just, okay. that's Getty's side, and he, okay. he maybe has just some random things. Um, that, was was so was it a conscious effort then to be like, all right, well, I better get people don't like these guitars. I better get rid of these guitars. No, it's not. These people don't like these guitars because yeah. that was after the first record. Second record, I was like, people don't like these guitars, and they can eat shit because right. I like these guitars. Right. Third record, you know, I was like, all right, well, I'm less interested in guitars, so now I'm using guitars this way. And then for this most recent record, we don't even live here. Uh, which is old now, but uh, 2012. The, the, yeah, the whole vibe on that one was I'm not using any guitars because this whole last year I've only been listening to German techno. So right, right. I made a record that reflected what I've been listening to. Okay, know? yeah, of course, yeah. of course. And what, what what shit are you on right now? What, I don't. I hate to be like, what, what are you listening to? No, it's all the, good. Interviews, but I'm just curious if there's anything that straight you, that's up. Your... I listened to the UK producer John Hopkins. Um, I listened to. Punk and hardcore that I used to listen to, a lot of Kid Dynamite and that uh, second Refused record a lot lately. Listen to tons of Spoon, and I listen to podcasts. Spoon, you know, I saw I saw that that like like Jim Eno is involved with some shit yeah. that you guys do up here. What, what? How did he get involved with that shit? I'm just curious. He's an awesome producer. He has an awesome studio in Austin, and you know, all of us between Ryan, Ryan Olson from Polisa and Marijuana Dust Squads. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's my best guy and we work on a lot of music together and work a lot on different, like, stuff together. And I think somehow he got in touch with Jim. Okay. And, uh, since then I've worked with Jim and everybody's kind of, the, the vibe out here, a lot of times, at least within our specific section of music dudes is just kind of rolling through projects, grabbing the best dudes for the best roles in that project and making like, it there make, might be one lead point person and then kind of pulling yeah. people in yeah that's what it seems like there's there's a lot of that stuff y'all have that yeah a lot of uh incestuous band life out here yeah where it's you know we got these two dudes the Hanson brothers that are just the best dudes if you got a band and you <laughs> you need a couple players not only are they gonna kill it but they're gonna kill it they're gonna make you look cooler they're right. you know and All in the you know, like there's, Seriously. Yeah. Not just them, you know, but there are brilliant musicians all over this fucker. And yeah. everybody knows it. And at some point early in the 2000s, maybe 2004, 2005, people stop wanting to be in bands. And everybody is just like, all right, let's make a project, you know? Right. So you make a thing and then you put it out and you play some shows and then you move on to another thing. You play shows later as, at, like, 
you kind of figure out how to play the project yeah. for live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah, totally. especially around five years ago, the Gangs record. The Gangs, yeah. That was that was a huge uh, moment for both Ryan and our scene. Was he the and point person on that kind of? Yeah, yeah. Okay. There's, you know, 20-some people on that record, and yeah. almost none of them knew what the record sounded like at all. Right. Because he was getting people over to his house, and everybody's... You know, smoking joints and drinking all night, and then every once in a while, Ryan's like, "All right, hey, 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 sing, sing on, sing on this right now, sing on this right now, right now, right now." You know, and then somebody grabs a mic and starts singing on it, and he's like, "Perfect, perfect, perfect. That's, that, that's 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 great." You know, and then you go over to his house another time, and there's some guy with headphones on playing a keyboard, and he's just like, "Oh, all right." And then months later, Ryan's playing you these songs, and he's like, "This is no, that's you, that's you playing bass, right?" You know. And everybody's like, what? And then you all rehearse it and learn the songs, and then you go about it. Nice. You know, that doesn't happen as much with rap, except for on the... There's a Marijuana Death Squad's record we made called Tamper, Disable, Destroy, that is very much done that way, where... And that's... That, every every that's, rapper on there... That's that's uh, Marijuana Death Squad's project. But it's all rap stuff? But it's all rap okay. stuff. And none of the rappers knew which verses were going on it. None of the rappers... You know, Cecil Otter has a eight bar on there that... He has no interest in having out in the world. Okay. You know, and it's it's hilarious and good, but it's just one of those things where he's just, he's good at catching people when the zone is right. Yeah. And recording it more. Is he kind of the producer for Marijuana Death Squad as well, yeah. you said? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so he's a mover and shaker. He's a mover, he's a shaker. Yeah. He produced the all the Polisa records, too. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right, and then... You, you uh, have been touring pretty heavy since since the first album came out. What two thousand four, whatever. Like that was like the beginning yeah. of Doomtree as well, right? The beginning of Doomtree was two thousand one officially. Okay, officially. Okay. okay. And I quit my last day job in two thousand four to okay. go on the Vans Warp Tour as Atmosphere's merch guy. Okay. And finagled myself a slot playing a show almost every day, and pretty much haven't stopped touring since then, except for the. Three years I took off for dialysis and kidney transplant. Right. Let's talk about yeah, that. Sure. Let's talk about that because um, I'm just I'm very curious it's about crazy. that. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, man. You got all kinds of stuff, right? Well, yeah, I have some issues, but yeah, but I I, I don't want to make it about that. I'm, I'm curious okay. about your 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 experience. All right. Um, when did you first realize that you had problems with your I kidneys? I think I think the long yeah the the long and short of it is when I was maybe 19. I always say an age, and then my mom hears a podcast or reads an article, and she's like, no, it was this age. But I'm pretty sure that it was 19. I had a physical. Maybe I was 18, because why would I have a physical after high school's over? Anyway, I had a physical. You know, part of the physical is you pee in a cup, and they right. test that pee, and they tested it. There was like, there's a lot of protein in your pee. That's usually a sign that you have kidney problems. Uh-huh. So I got tested, and they're like, yeah, you got definitely serious kidney problems coming up in your future. Take this medication. I was like, cool. And then I took it all the time for years. What kind of medication? It was like, like what a. Was it, to do? it was like a blood pressure slash something. Yeah. You know, one of those things where it's like a maintenance. This will help your kidney have an easier time cleaning your blood. Right. And hopefully it won't get worse very fast. And then, you know, I took the pills and didn't think about it. And then, because kidney disease is invisible and you don't feel it, and you don't think about it. When I ran out of pills, I let it lapse for like a month, and then. 
came back, got pills again, and I had developed an allergy to that pill because I let it last. Because you let it go. Yep. So I switched to a different pill, stayed on that one. Apparently that one didn't work as well. And then years later, I'm getting ready to go on another set of tours. Um, this is what, in 2000? 2000, maybe 11, 12? No, 2012. 2012. Yeah, top of 2012. Um, getting my life planned out, doing my stuff. And I get a blood test work over, and my nephrologist, kidney doctor, is like, whoa, your kidneys don't work anymore. This is an emergency. You need to start doing dialysis right now. Oh and I was like, what? I feel fine. But apparently, I didn't feel fine. And I guess I kind of knew that I hadn't been feeling fine. But I, it's, it's not like, I didn't really know. You know, it, what did I, you feel? I mean, were, were you tired or were you, what do you, I mean, like what looking back on it now, after the transplant, I was really tired. I was really forgetful. I was really crabby. Like there were just things like the way I always say it is if you see yourself in a mirror every day, you don't see how your face changes because right. you see yourself every day. But if you look at a picture from five years ago, you're like, whoa, you know, it was like that where I didn't feel myself getting crankier or sleepier or you know, more depressed or any of that stuff. And when I got, you know, checked out and tested, they were like, how, how are you up every night? How are you able to tour? What is going on? And then I started, you just, you're just really pushing yourself. Yeah. To do just, this you know, thing. I never, yeah. I never took a break since the day I started. So it's just yeah. like, there's, yeah, I'm tired. I haven't slept in a week. Like, right. Yeah. I'm forgetful. I smoke tons of weed, you know, but yeah. I don't really smoke tons of weed and I wasn't really tired like that, but I was really tired like that. And I smoked enough weed. <laughs> Either way, I got I started dialysis and felt a lot better right off the bat. Does that mean you have to be in a place like all the time? Yeah, no. I mean, there's two different kinds of dialysis. There's one called uh, hemodialysis, which uh, if I was older or in worse health, I would have had to do that one. Which is what? Which a blood is transfusion essentially? Kind of, yeah. You get like a little uh, shunt hole stuck in your arm or in the top of your chest. That just stays in. Stays in. And, they and do, then they plug and chug. Yep, like two, three times a week for like six hours you plug in and they take all your blood out, clean it, put it all back. Jeez. Right? And it is miserable for a yeah. lot of people. But is I did peritoneal dialysis, which is a different kind. What is that? Uh, your peritoneal is the spot where your organs sit in your abdomen. And, you know, I don't know if people know it, but if you stab yourself in the stomach... You get blood and muscle, and then you hit a peritoneal wall, and then there's nothing. There's just your organs sitting in a bunch of space, right? Uh-huh. So peritoneal dialysis is you get a little tube that goes into that space. You fill that tube up with, like, a liquid solution, IV, that sits in your... It sits like a two liter of liquid in your empty abdomen over the course of three to six hours. Uh, the peritoneal wall will suck the toxins out of your blood into the solution, and then you dump that out, and then you fill it up again. So this bag is inserted into you? No, no, no. The bag is outside of you, but there's uh, a tube inserted okay, in you. Okay, okay. So you connect the bag to the tube, Yeah. empty the bag of liquid into your abdomen, let it sit, and then dump it out and do it again. Okay. So I was doing that three or four times a day. But the like tube has to stay in there? Yeah, yeah. You just When you're done, you put a cap back on it, tape it to your belly. You know, like Do you have anything like that still? No, happening? I just got a big scar. After okay. The, the same day that I got my transplant, they took that tube out. Okay. Because when you have a kidney that works, you don't have to manually operate your kidney anymore, so you don't need this tube. 
Is it fucked up to have this thing that's like open to your insides? That yeah. You know, if you pull the te- the cap off, it's like it's super weird, man. Yeah. There's always times I'd have nightmares about like not being able to stop myself from opening up the tube and like blowing into it. You know, like yeah. Like I just like wake up all sweaty, like oh, I would never do that. Why would Why would I do that to myself? <laughs> you know, like yeah. Yeah, I mean, it sucked. It was really uncomfortable, but. I couldn't do shit about it, so I didn't really... So, how... how? But th- that that was, like, a year of that. That was, like, a year, year and a half. Every... What, how did you have... Every day, three or four times a day. You had to go in three, four no, times a day? No, 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 no. If I had the hemodialysis, that's when you have to go to a place. Okay, okay. But oh, so you, you were able to do it at yeah, home? They yeah. Get, you'd have the bags in your fridge yep, or whatever. I'd, they would show up at my house. It took up, like, half my house. It's yeah. like... Yeah, it's, it's a big, horrible, sucky mess. Yeah. But... You know, it was worth it to not have to do the the, the hemokine. The hemokine is a lot more strenuous on your body. Yeah. And with this one, I was able to go about my life. Marijuana Death Squad's at a residency in New York. I was able to go play that. Yeah. And I, you know, traveled around and did it a lot. I just couldn't. In hotel tour. rooms and shit. Hotel rooms. Yeah. Any place, you just uh, put towels under the door, shut off any moving air, tell everybody to leave. You know, I mean, you shut off moving air. Yeah, you can't have like an AC because it running. might blow into your yeah, because it might blow dust into your body. Yeah, you know, like yeah, it's it's a headache and it was a pain in the ass. And honestly, my manager had to convince me not to tour. We don't even live here because I would have had to bring an extra trailer for gear for medical supplies. Yeah, I would have had to have a extra hotel room secure every single night to make sure I could do it. I would have to get uh, drop ships of not just merch, but, you know, hundreds of pounds of dialysis supplies. And it was just like, you should probably just maybe for the first time ever, just take like a break and, and do and, with your and, life. And what did you notice from that break? Like, how did that affect your career? How, how did, how did it affect the album? I mean, I wasn't able to tour the album. That's where the bread and butter is. That's where you, A, make money as a person to live, but also you get to spend two months actually selling your record. Right. Perform, like, uh, getting people to talk about your record and how good your show was. Think, I mean, it's it's the main part of promotion for yeah. a dude like me, I'm sure you know. And for me, yeah. Um, so it wasn't great for my career. I feel like I have a really awesome set of new fans that get into every record or not every record but every time I put out a record I get a bunch of new fans that are exciting but I also am lucky enough to have gotten into this before the internet was like the whole thing Mm -hmm. so I do have fans that are cool enough and down enough to like wait for me to make some art right you know so that's a beautiful thing it is the most beautiful thing yeah I have incredibly supportive fans you know, I wasn't able to tour, and I had all these medical bills, and fans raised almost fifty grand for me wow. to like, yeah, via like you know, uh, GoFundMe or whatever. I didn't even set it up. Doomtree dudes set up like a GoFundMe because they knew I would never be like, you right. guys, I need money, right? You know, but they set it up, and it saved the day. Shit, got got, that's got awesome, my insurance man. straight. Got the you train. have insurance now? I do. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Yeah, I got old man insurance. You know, when you get something like this, you get you yeah. get Medicare and shit but like it's, that. But it's but it's still it's affordable now because of Obamacare now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. It's it's actually Great. pretty reason reasonable. Um, but yeah, it, that that stuff hadn't kicked in at the time yet. None of that stuff was working yet. Right. So True. you know, my fans essentially saved my whole life. And uh, Mary, who works very closely with me and works with Doomtree, was kind enough to 
go and look at all the comments everybody had made and like handwrite them all into a book. So oh, I've got man. like this like six hundred page book of everybody's comments of everything that they said to me. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. I can't even look at it without crying. Like it's insane. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it affected me the most, which I'm sure you might know is if you work so hard and you're on this particular art grind for years and years and years and years and years not taking a break age 14 to age fucking 30 or whatever like working really hard and yeah. then stopping and sitting you know yeah like cause that, I went from playing shows being out every night working every night in the studio you know skateboarding running around doing all this stuff to sitting at my house and watching TV and reading books for like all the time. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. You know, my totally different lifestyle. Totally different lifestyle and totally like you don't, you know, you don't I did, not being able to tour that record like breaks your heart. And that way that like if you work in an office and you're working on a presentation for a month and then you don't get to show the presentation, yeah. you're going to be like uh, uh, uh. you know, I worked on a record for 8 9 months to a year and then wasn't able to do more than play one show i played a cd release show and then canceled everything after it um and i think did you get depressed i did get depressed and i think that i would have had a really deep and serious kind of depression if it wasn't for the gofundme and the fan comments that came along with that do you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. like that saved the day like being able to see everybody's support and like hey man take your time We'll be here when you're done. You hear that, people? You know? We're real. We're real people, <laughs> and it, it affects us. It you, really, really does. When you does. say positive shit, it affects us. When you say negative shit, it affects us. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's it, it, it was pretty much all I could do, and that was able to sustain me up until getting the transplant. And then getting the transplant, and the way that I got the transplant also blew my whole mind. I, uh, the paper here... That happened in, what, 13? Um, yeah, it happened, well, yeah, it happened like a year, a year, a year and a half, after, a year and a half year from ahead. right now, pretty much. Okay. Um, so 14 or I, I have no idea. Well, like a year after you had to start doing the, doing yep, the like thing. a year, year and a couple, year and a half, maybe after I started doing dialysis, I got a, that's a long time to be doing that three times not, a day. Man, not as long as a lot of people get no, it. No, you're man. right. You're you right. Know, a lot of people yeah. had it way worse, but for, for me, I lucked out not just because, I mean, if if I wasn't a rapper, I might still be, like, hanging out doing dialysis, man. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, like, in a real way. I, I City Pages or, or Star Tribune, one of the local papers, wrote, like, a piece about me being sick. I put out a little internet video canceling my tour and saying sorry and telling everybody what was up. And they wrote about it. And then months later... They hit me up for a follow-up, and I had had some luck finding some matches, but they were all like, like my kid's mom was a match. Both my kid's moms were matches, but they're my kid's moms. I'm not right. trying to risk, you, risk their lives. Yeah. Plus, they are women, so they had really little kidneys. Like okay. There was all kinds of things where I was like, not worth the risk. You right. know? So right. I wasn't match, matching with anybody of all the rest of the people. What's it, how, do you, how, do, how does a match work? You got to go get your blood done, and you, you match blood and tissue and... You know, all these different points of matching. It's a complicated yeah. fucking thing, you know? Yeah. But they did a follow-up, and they wrote another article, and they were like... In that article somewhere, I mentioned my blood type. 
And then the day after the article came out, a buddy of mine from high school hit me up on Twitter and was like, hey, dude, I just read that article. I think that's my blood type. What number do I call? And oh, then, my and then God. like a week later, he was like, yep, I'm good. We're going to go do this. Oh, my. That's such. It's amazing. A... It's, it's amazing. Yeah, that's wild. Like, are you close to him? I mean, we've never been close, but we've been friends since, like, ninth grade. Yeah. Like, yeah. we've never been close, but we always, you know, like, if I'm going snowboarding, I might be going snowboarding with him. Yeah. If we're going to go, you know, like, I'm saying from way back then yeah. to right right now, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see him around. We're going to high five. He's going to come to a show. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Yeah. He's one of the nicest dudes there is. And I mean that's like beyond nice. That's like you I'm know. talking about before this. He was oh, one of the nicest that, dudes. Yeah, 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 you know. And then the way he was talking about this was just like, man, you got kids. It's just the right thing to do. And I was like, God he, he doesn't damn. have kids or nothing. No. no, he doesn't. You know. But he was also like, I read it. You know, like it. It doesn't seem like I'm gonna die, and it seems like the right thing to do. And just his whole vibe about the whole thing chilled me out. Everything, man. I feel like everything kind of lined up perfectly to help me not lose my whole mind yeah like my entire life's work and everything i've thrown into it i feel like was like just gone you know i can't go show that i'm good at making songs i can't go do anything i've just gotta like (laughs) right exist but but after that you're you're able now to to do whatever i mean how 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 i'm feeling like I mean, as soon as the kidney transplant was over, like, as soon as I woke up from pain meds in the hospital, I felt better. Okay. Immediately. Immediately. My head was... I mean, I was still coming off of painkillers, and my head was already clear. You know, my mind, huh. my mind was already feeling way better. So, the, and the reason why your head gets fucked up and, and you get tired and shit is, is dirt, dirt, you have dirty blood. You have dirty your blood. Head. Yeah. yeah. You have... You're essentially poisoned. You can't... Yeah. Any toxins that have been in your system can't go anywhere. Yeah. You know, like, they can, but they're not cleaned out the way that and they should you, be. And were you drinking and stuff like that? Yeah, I was drinking a little bit. I mean, yeah. I never I never really... I've had, like... You know, I've, I've had all of the greatest experiences a dude can have, but I'm not, like, a overboard kind of guy. Sure. I, I always want to be... You know, if everybody's getting drunk, I want to make sure that I'm sober enough to make sure everybody gets home safe. You know, yeah. like, that's just how I've always been, yeah. you know? Um, I was sober all through high school. I was, you know, like I messed, straight edge. Never straight edge. No. I smoked cigarettes and drank coffee and had sex. But uh, I, you know, I messed around with some hard drugs as a real young dude, okay. and then got sober around fourteen and stayed that way until like twenty two. You know. Okay. And then really slowly and easily eased, eased in. You know, I was always I had alcoholism in my family my dad was addicted to drugs i had some aunts that were addicted to drugs i was always just scared of drugs you yeah. know so you know i feel like that benefited me in my life until my mind was fixed and adult and my brain wasn't mush anymore and i was able to go and see what i can do to bend it a little bit totally what drugs did you get addicted to at 14 if i if i may add uh, not, I, i'm sorry not addicted i played around with like speed and stuff just because okay. like like I had mentioned earlier, I was a skateboarder, and yeah. I'd bump into all these other older kids, Yeah, and they'd be like, hey, let's smoke some pot. Hey, give the kids some speed. You know, like, yeah, some good people, some total maniacs, you know. Do but you think any of that shit fucked with your kidneys? Like, what what, what happened? Maybe, but I don't know. Yeah. You know, like, and that's one of the things about is, is it kidney disease. Kind of thing, it's not hereditary, no. but it's one, of those, it's one of those things where it could have been, I could have got punched in the stomach. 
as a 12-year-old and have no recollection of it. And just yeah. some kind of impact started some scarring, and then it just kept on going. I see. You know, okay. it's, it's one of those things where it, it was scarred up when they were checking it out. Like, what's going on? Oh, the kidney's all scarred up. You know? Huh. Yeah. So... So now, now, so with one kidney though, you're able. That's like all you need, really. All you really need is one kidney. Okay, but both my kidneys were both in decline and scaling up at the same rate. So by the time I went for that last, like, hey, how am I doing? I gotta go on tour. Let's make sure I'm feeling good. They were both. They were both down to like seven percent function. Right. Right. And they were like, no, this is an emergency. We need to start doing something now. Yeah. You know, so it's like that, and then. Here's the thing people don't usually hear about, but they don't take out your kidneys when you get a kidney transplant. They really? Just, they just add another one. So you, you have your kidney, your <laughs> I have, I have failing three, I have kidneys three kidneys in there, yeah. and they threw another one in there. Yeah, I have two in the back, right where kidneys go in your back, that are both like, probably like little prunes. One in your in your bicep. <laughs> I have one in my bicep, no. They put the other one, it's sitting on top of my bladder. Okay. Because there's nothing there right now. Wait, have, I didn't have, know how hollow we were it, in there. Yeah, dude, there's there's a lot of empty space in your abdomen, enough for two liters of liquid and a brand new kidney. Well, I like, guess that's because if we eat and drink mm-hmm. as well, that everything fills up. And then, yeah, yeah, I mean, there's yeah, there's magically space for everything. And if yeah. you if you go back on my Instagram account, there's a picture of my belly open with my new kidney just sitting there. Because really? I, I had the doctors take Holy a bunch of pictures. shit. I'm going to have to go look at that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's, yeah, there's a bunch there. And if you go to Tuesdays with Laserbeak on Doomtree.net, there's like a whole bunch of pictures. Okay. But yeah, it's... <laughs> It's it's really weird. It's really exciting. It's really cool. How did you feel coming out of that when you started to heal up and you know get off the pain meds? Like yeah, I wanted to get off those right away. I'm, yeah. I've you know even in my most enjoying of drugs times in my life, I've never been a downer, dude. And no, those are those are like it's horrible. There's something about them that feels good for a minute, but like yeah, it's definitely yeah. not something you want to get on. Nah, not not at all. I mean, even if I'm in pain. I'd rather sit in pain yeah. than know that I'm going to need more pills later, yeah. you know? Yeah. So in the hospital, I was on Dilaudid, and I was the shit, and then I got home, and I was immediately like, well, I'm at home, so I can learn how to not, you yeah. know, just give me some Tylenol. Um, and it took, it took like, three months, three or four months after the transplant, I was mentally ready to be getting up and doing everything. Okay. But I still physically had a hard time like walking around my block. So I'd like okay. walk to a coffee shop two blocks away and then slowly walk back and that was my you know, that was Were you me. drinking coffee? Can you I mean ha- yeah. like what I'm just curious like do you have to be on a medicine to keep things in, um, under control? Or? I have I, I take a giant handful of medicine twice a day. Just in case kind of shit? No, no, no. Like, that's what it is. I, I need, I, I need uh, immunosuppressants. Yeah. Uh, to, so is... W- w- I'm sorry, go no, on. I'm just saying immunosuppressants is a handful of drugs on its own. To, and for that's, what, what that's, are those for? That, what you do is my new kidney is a foreign body, and my body does not want this thing in here. Yeah. And if I didn't do anything, my body would kick it out reject it, yeah. and then I couldn't get another one. So immunosuppressants and how they do that is they give you... Tons of immunosuppressants right away to make sure your body can't kick it out, and then they slowly take you off of them. You have to be in like a bubble or some shit to make sure you don't get. Other I mean, kind of, yeah, not not in a bubble, but you know, you got to keep the air still. You, you know, like there's a lot of stuff I can't eat, and especially during those first that first six months, first year, um, 
just being careful about being around sick people yeah. and wash your hands all the time yeah. and eat good food. But, you know, they, they, they knock your immune system all the way out and they slowly let it build up. And then they try to find the perfect balance between not getting sick from everything and not kicking out your kidney. Yeah. And they found that for me pretty early. But that and then a steroid I got to take, like a little dose of a steroid making my face all chubby. And then blood pressure medicines, anti-rejection med- Like it's, it's a big handful of meds I take every day, but I don't notice any side effects except for more pimples and a chubbier face, okay. which I can totally deal with. I yeah, sure, yeah. sure. Um, and it just, I mean, does it feel freeing? Were you, did you have just, a, Dude, did I you feel, have any moments of like elation? Like, oh my God. I still like, have them. I haven't yeah. felt so good in, you know, five, seven years. Yeah. And I didn't even know that I was feeling bad. So right. it's like a bonus. Awesome. And you're yeah. traveling the world. And all traveling you have to do the is world. bring some pill bottles. All I got to do is bring pill bottles. All the people at my pharmacy, uh, Shapiro Pharmacy, shout out to them. They know the <laughs> deal. They'll give you extra th- shit if you they need They will. Yeah. They, they all, they're like, oh, you're going on tour? Awesome. Tell Dessa I said hi. And uh, here's extra prednisone. You, can do, you know, like all the stuff. Like you have right. to make sure that if I get stuck somewhere, I can, you know, yeah. make sure I'm taken care of. And, you know, there's there's assorted complications and whatever, but there's nothing that's been serious. And the whole thing has been, like, a cool way to, like, step back out of my life and then take a look at how fucking fresh my life has been. You know, like, I've never, you know, I always used to be, like, people like, what's it like to play in First Ave? It's your dream club, you know? You've always wanted to do it. What's it like? What's it like to be famous? And it's like, I'm not famous. And I'll play that club again, and I'll think about all of this when I'm old and can't do it anymore. Right. You know? And having a... A thing where I'm forced to like stop, you know, and like look at what's up. The first like year and a half of that was really tight, and then the second year and a half of that was like, fuck all these people on the internet. I need to get on tour. You people are crazy. I do all this way better than everybody. Right. I'm tired of this. I gotta go. I gotta go. You know, like feeling just motivated and super hungry, and like I still have my fans. You know, I still have people who are waiting for me to do shit there. You know? Yes, it's cool. And um, are you working on solo material? Yeah. I have been working on solo material for a really long time now. Yeah. But I, uh, I'm starting to actually get the stuff that I like out do of you, it. Do you feel like th- this whole experience will be re- reflected in, in in the work? Yeah, but I don't want to just write about what it's like to have health problems. Right. You know, you got sure. to try to be a little more clever than that. And I feel like it's definitely going to be reflected in the work. But... How it's being reflected, I feel like, is, I guess I'll put it like this. Uh, The last record I made, I don't know if you can tell when you hear it. I don't think anybody can tell when they hear it. But that was me doing my best to make a commercial version of what I do. Okay. You know, the song Fuck Your Stuff is me trying to rap as slow as Rick Ross. Make sure every word is articulated and I'm rapping on the tempo of the time. You know what I'm saying? The song with Justin, Justin Vernon is a song with Justin Vernon, who is a friend and an amazing musician, but a situation where I could be like, okay, record label, try to capitalize on this. Yeah. And then we didn't have time to do any of the things that would capitalize on because of hell stuff. Right. And it made me just feel like the whole thing was silly. I was, you know, reaching out to like push a T for verses and most deaf and like trying to really like do all the things I've always wanted to do. And then when it was all said and done, it was like, ah. 
can't do you any know? of it. I, yeah. I, not not can't do any of it, but like that's not even what I should be trying to do. I see what you're saying. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So coming into this record, I feel like the biggest thing that I learned from all of the kidney stuff is that I have fans and I have people that are waiting for what I do, and I don't yes. have to try and grab yes. other people. That's, so. That was my next question for you: is how, how do you feel like it it has affected you, like in your long term? Did you do you feel like you've had like spiritual growth through? Yeah, without even trying, you know, yeah. like without even attempting to or thinking about it. I think I came out of this feeling more like myself and more grounded in, in reality, not thinking about the music business or thinking about anything but art you know realizing that i was able to make good on getting a new kidney doing all this stuff having a kid at the same time uh trying to raise up my other kid and you know have (laughs) no dollars except for what my fans gave me to help make sure i'm I'm taken care of makes me feel like i i mean the next song i put out i'm working on right now it's like nine and a half minutes long you know like not commercial. <laughs> not not even thinking about what commercial could be. Yeah. You know, like, I, I knew that I was in this as a lifer since I was, you know, 14. Yeah. You know, my mom has always told me, don't get a job, just don't expect to be rich, you know? Yeah. She, she raised me like that, so that's how I've been and how I've been approaching it, and, you know, knuckle tattoos, you know? <laughs> What's the, what do you mean, knuckle tattoos? Not just You don't get a job with knuckle oh, tattoos. Oh, I see what you're yeah. saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get right. knuckle Physical tattoos tats, because yeah. you want to work for yourself. Right. You want to do right. your thing forever. So Right. You know. Yeah, man. So what? what's what's next? Solo record? Next is solo record. Probably new Marijuana Dust Squad's music. Um, I've been working on making a lot of uh, techno. I've been brainstorming ideas for podcasts. Yeah. I've been... You know, I, like all of my favorite stuff, I'm doing again. Yeah. So that's what I'm gonna keep doing. You know? So I, I I I wish we could keep talking, but it's uh it's almost nine and Getty goes on Damn. at nine. So um we got to wrap this up, man. But we should we should talk a second time. Yeah, anytime, man. Yeah, anytime. I've been looking forward to doing this one. Oh, I've been looking forward to doing it with you as well. I mean, not 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 doing it with you, but having you on the podcast. Are we gonna fuck in this car? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get a. Uh, Let's get a pick real quick. Yeah. And uh, say bye to the people, as, as we say on, on uh, The Wandering Wolf. Um, bye, people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, all my gods and goddess. Thank you for listening. Thank you. I appreciate your listenership. The Wandering Wolf Podcast. Dot com. You can go there and purchase a t-shirt or some uh, some of my solo mixtapes musics I do have one date to bring you and that is uh, I am playing Denver Colorado ladies and gentlemen you asked for it you got it Denver Colorado I am playing at Gold Rush Festival my friend Ryan Hall um, has booked me out for that and that is September 18th uh, Friday September 18th I believe is the day that I'm playing there. So if you're in Denver, come out to that. It'll be a good time. I'm going to try to get a couple of podcasts while I'm out there. Soul, if you're listening to this, I don't know if you listen to this podcast, uh, Tim Holland, let's do it. Let's talk. Um, I'll tweet you. I'll tweet you. My Twitter is at Yoni Wolf. 
and that's everywhere else on the net as well. Great talking to you guys. And uh, we'll do it again next time, huh? How's that sound to you? Cleal Sky. Take care. Keep wandering. We are our own trip, falling in love by the milligram No attention, no intentions, we keep this from getting out of hand So assisted cause we know that we are so content to sleep when we land We love, we love, we so sick, we get to choose and we skip the plan No attention, no resentment, never even doubt of the grand Get some comfort from the canvas and we hold each other close as we can Wait, 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 wait Worst things have happened to better people That's the mantra, the feelings are over with Sick pout kissed, but no frown flip missed it We're dealing with oceans, big fish, bigger hooks No coast road, coaches don't go quiet Keep them alarms loud, let them look uh, No harm meant friction in the gaze They're easier, fade to another place, why stay? Ain't no sense in mending any fences they break Only taking when there's things to take All away, all of me, offered if you ask But only if you ask, honesty can cost me all I have Take it, we stay on our own trip Falling in love by the milligram Pay no attention, no intentions We keep this from getting out of hand So assisted cause we know that we are so content to sleep where we land We love, we love, we so sick We get to choose and we skip the plan Pay no attention, no resentment Never even doubt a week or end Get some comfort from the cameras that we hold each other close as we can. Okay. Stopping the world to creep again Sleeping where I land Soft Demons eating Bottom speeding up toward my feet I'm easily lost Leading for caution Fear to exhaust Escape the dearest to me Clear for takeoff We gone again Autobahn Counter all encounters uh, Cracks in the armor Going without a doubt It's a thin line Between coated and closed Cozy in any mode Long as I'm covered So long as I'm not exposed This place is wrong for me All for me All or nothing All for nothing Love me not Watch me closely Call my bluff and call the shots Roll Coasting off the lot, out the box, busted, but fuck it, it's what I got, so I trust it whether or not it's on its own trip. Falling in love by the milligram, pay no attention, no intentions, we keep this from getting out of hand. So assisted, cause we know that we are so content to sleep where we land. We love, we love, we so sick, we get to choose and we skip the plan. Pay no attention, no resentment, never even doubt a weaker hand. Get some comfort from the canvas and we hold each other close as we can.
attention, no intentions could keep this from getting out of hand. So assisted, cause we know that we are so content to sleep where we land. Something like that.